All right, endothelial dysfunction, risk factors for it. Smoking, high blood pressure, cholesterol. We'll talk a lot more about this, this particular risk factor in research. Sedentary lifestyle, homocysteine levels. What is homocysteine? It's, it's an amino acid and some people have it in higher levels. You can lower it by taking vitamin B6. And then turbulent blood flow. Turbulent blood flow actually causes, turbulent blood flow actually causes endothelial dysfunction. Now let me ask you this question. Where does, where does turbulent blood flow normally happen in an artery? Nope. What's it called when blood flow all goes the same direction? Do you remember that word? Laminar. Now, what happens when it hits a branch? It's going to hit and then it's going to swirl. So where do you think we have a tendency to get atherosclerotic lesions? At branches. We tend to get them right in here because of that turbulent blood flow. Now, some, some newer risk factors, they're called novel because they haven't been studied as long. CRP, and there's a particular kind of CRP called highly sensitive. I guess it's very emotional. What is CRP? You tell me. C-reactive protein. You've got to go back and look up your inflammation stuff. Listen to that podcast again. Serum fibrinogen. The amount of fibrinogen you have can affect the likelihood of getting fibrous clots, apparently. Insulin resistance. So how do we test for insulin resistance? What's it called when we have two or three things that lead us to say this person has insulin resistance. Say it again. Metabolic syndrome. What are the five things that we use for metabolic syndrome? Waist size, triglycerides, HDL, blood pressure, and sugar level. Oxidative stress. Now, what is oxidative stress? Free radicals, man. Free radicals. Have you ever heard those terms? That term? What is a free radical? It's what we take. It's what we take antioxidants for. So free radicals are molecules that are missing just one electron. So they are highly motivated to steal that electron from something else, and that something else often happens to be your endothelium. Infections. And then we have periodontal disease. Floss your teeth, young lady, if you want to have a good heart. All right, let's talk about the injured endothelium. When the endothelium becomes inflamed, it produces less vasodilating hormones. What's that going to do? Vasoconstrict. Is that going to cause more damage to that area? 
Yes. Produces less antithrombotic hormones. Is that more likely to make clots in that area? Yes. Inflammatory molecules cause damage themselves, collateral damage. So once you have one part of the endothelium inflamed, it makes other parts inflamed. Growth factors are released, which causes increased smooth muscle cells. What does that do to blood pressure? Makes it go up. Macrophages will then adhere to the inside of the, uh, of the endothelium, and they will oxidize the LDL. What's that called? Foam cell. There you go. By the way, there are some people who think that the problem is if you eat oxidized fats, you're more likely to get oxidized LDL. Say again? Well, an oxidized fat is a fat that has been um, saturated with oxygen as opposed to hydrogen. Okay. All right, so a fatty acid looks like this, right? You know, chain of carbons, and then what sticks off of them if it's saturated? Hydrogen. Well, sometimes instead of being saturated, it will be unsaturated. Now, if it's unsaturated, you can break this bond here and put something else onto it. So when you put something gross on the end, it becomes rancid. So have you ever smelled oil that was like, oh, that doesn't smell right. Let's not cook with that. Or nah, who cares? Let's cook with it anyway. <laughs> when you eat that rancid fat, that some people believe that's what leads to Anyway, we'll talk more about that in research. Atherosclerotic plaques. Now, we have found Yes, ma'am. What? Pressure? The She didn't ask that before. Not loud enough. All right. Fat, fatty streaks. Maybe I misunderstood. Yeah. Fatty streaks are found in children as young as 10 years old. How many of you are older than 10? How many of you are older than 18? By the time you're 18, almost every male will have fatty streaks and most females. Fatty streaks are the precursor to atherosclerotic plaques. It's not has nothing to do with subcutaneous. Now, these plaques will develop a fibrous plaque. We want to think of that as the hard candy coating with a delicious liquid center. Now, if that cap breaks, we call it a complicated lesions. The contents spill out and a thrombus forms. This will cause either a partial or a complete occlusion or embolus. Now, if it causes a partial occlusion, what are our symptoms going to be? Oh, ultimately, but we're not, we're not talking about in the heart necessarily, just anywhere. So let's say we have this, this lesion right here and it breaks open and we occlude this part of the artery. What's that all called? 
inflammation. Now, what's going to happen down here? You're going to have ischemia, which can lead to what type of injury? Hypoxic injury. Now, if it's only a partial increase or, or partial occlusion, is it going to necessarily kill what's down here? Not necessarily, but you're going to get pain and cramps. Hypoxic injury, pain and cramps. If it occludes it, you'll get... What's it called when you get so hypoxic that you die? Not you, but the cells. You'll get necrosis. And necrosis from ischemia, what's the word for that? Infarct or infarction. So a partial, a partial occlusion will cause ischemic injury. What are your symptoms going to be most likely? Pain and cramps. If it's a complete occlusion, you're going to get on, you're going to get necrosis. And what's the word for that? Infarct or infarction. It depends where it is. Yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about it in a minute. Yes. All right, now, manifestations. None. Until severe or we have an event. What's an event? That's where you have the, the complicated lesion, where it breaks open and you get a clot. Now, your body will begin to form collateral circulation around the blocked area. So, do you want this to be go long and slow or you want to be really fast? Which would you rather have your atherosclerosis development? Long and slow because you'll have lots of time to build a collateral circulation. Now, if this happens in the legs, we're going to call that claudication. So if a patient has clotting in their legs, not clotting, but if they have atherosclerosis in the legs that's occluding blood flow, they'll take a couple steps and they'll get cramps and they will stop and rest. It'll go away and they'll take a few more steps and they'll do it again. So what's that called? Intermittent claudication. Some people have it so badly they cannot take more than 10 steps before they get leg pain. Probably not claudication for you, but but yeah, yeah. You should definitely see someone about that. All right, next coronary. If if it happens in the coronary artery, we're going to get reduced exercise tolerance. As a person does something and they get a little bit faster heart rate, they're going to get chest pain. Then they'll rest and it will go away. go away. So you can pronounce it angina or angina. If it happens in the renal artery, we're going to get hypertension. If it happens in, now if we have an event, and what do we say an event was? 
a breaking of a lesion. If it happens in the brain, it's going to cause a stroke. If it happens in the heart, it can cause an MI. And both of those can lead to death. Now, or you can survive. Sure. We'll talk about them in a minute. All right, now, remember we talked about collateral circulation. Okay, here's your normal blood flow. Here you have a blocked artery. So notice how these arteries have begun to join together to go around. This is kind of like when you have a wreck on I-95 and people start to use US-1 in Congress and military. Yes. They, they actually start to grow together. This is called collateral circulation. And eventually, if the thing gets occluded completely... Now, the question is, is this as good as this? No. no. So the person will still not be able to perform as well as before. Yes. Well, that can happen too. They can get clogged too. And then you're in big trouble. Yes, ma'am. No, these will never disappear, so you just get one big one. Okay. No, this is in ischemia. What? Well, if, you're, if your classmates would shut up, then we could hear your question. You're like, no, you insulted my classmates. So now I'm not going. Now I'm not asking a question. All right. Evaluation and treatment of atherosclerosis. The first thing is identify risk factors and treat them or modify them. We're going to evaluate family history. Now, for family history, the most important thing in terms of heart attack is if one of their family members had a heart attack before the age of 50. If it was after the age of 50, it's not as important. One of the reasons why Professor Kirkwood is obsessed with the glycemic index is because his father died at a very early age. And now he's lived longer than his father, so he, he thinks of every moment as you know, borrowed time. So that's why he's obsessed with that. Obsessed? Okay. Now, we can also do we can also do endothelial function tests. Um, we're not going to talk about how to do these, but they will be more common as you go on in your career. You know, a hundred years ago, blood pressure was seen as a novelty. 50 years before that, the stethoscope was a novelty. They said it'll never have clinical significance. Blood pressure, eh, whatever. Now, extremely important. So endothelial function tests will become more important as you grow older. Now, you can also do localized perfusion studies. So you can check 
arteries and veins with the Doppler ultrasound. You can do an ECG. You can do an echocardiogram. You can do an angiogram where you're going to stick dye in, into a blood vessel and see where it goes. And you can also do a stress test. These are heart things. You can also do, it's not on here, but an MRA, which is a magnetic resonance angiogram. It's an MRI of your arteries. Now, as far as treatment goes, you can't, well, you can, but you don't really treat atherosclerosis directly unless it's causing problems or we think it will cause problems. What you're going to do is you're going to treat all of these risk factors. So treat blood pressure, treat cholesterol, give anticoagulants. What's the number one for preventing a heart attack? Aspirin. We're going to change the lifestyle. We're going to change the diet and we're going to exercise more. Possibly take vitamins. Stop. Have you ever seen the episode of uh, King of the Hill where Bobby smokes some cigarettes? So then to teach him a lesson, Hank makes him smoke the whole pack and he gets addicted. <laughs> We're also going to treat localized ischemic lesions. And these are primarily going to be in the heart. Um, sometimes in the neck as well. What can neck lesions become? if they break off? Stroke. We'll talk about that in a moment. All right, this is an angiogram. So what we've done is we've injected dye into the arteries and here you can see it's occluded between these two areas because the dye is thinner. Over here we have a nice open artery. So atherosclerosis can cause Lessen blood flow. What's the name for that? Isk ischemia. All right, treatment of localized arteries or lesions. I'm glad you asked that question. One way we can do it is called bypass surgery. Now, in bypass surgery, what we're going to do is we're going to use either another artery or we're going to cut out a piece of vein and we're going to graft it around the lesion. So here's your lesion and if we use an artery we're going to take it from wherever else it goes and we're going to stick it on and graft it on. If we use a piece of vein we're going to kind of create a little detour around it. What's the problem with using a vein? Well first of all you have to take take it out from somewhere else. Where's the somewhere else usually? It's usually the great saphenous veins. How many great saphenous veins do you have? Two. You only have two shots. What's the other problem with using vein? It's not the same. And it's much more likely to occlude than if you use an artery. It doesn't do it enough. So in the case of bringing the artery from somewhere else, the most common one is the internal mammary artery. I guess the thinking is you don't really need to have living breast tissue anymore in that particular spot of the chest. And so in that case, you just graft it on. That's called bypass. Now, 
Have you ever heard of this right here? C-A-B-G or cabbage? Coronary artery bypass graft. So to the rest of us in the world, they're going to say, I had four-way bypass surgery. What does four-way bypass mean? It means they bypassed four lesions. And so bypass surgery to us medical folk or healthcare folk is a cabbage. Can you do other can you do bypass surgeries in other places? That's not a triple A. Triple A. Okay, triple A is not a bypass though. That there they actually replace the aorta with an artificial Dacron material. Say it again? So a fempop, a femoral popliteal is another type of bypass. There's someone back there? Bypass graft. All right, so cabbage is a bypass. Yes, ma'am. No. Four different sections. Portions, anyway. Yeah. All right. The next thing we can do is we can send the patient to the to the cath lab and have a heart catheterization. These are collectively known as PCIs, percutaneous coronary interventions. What kind of doctor would do that, by the way? What kind of cardiologist? An, what are these called? Inter an interventional cardiologist. So an interventional cardiologist will perform interventions. So the first one is called percutaneous transluminal angioplasty, or PCTA. So percutaneous coronary, or transluminal, yeah, PTCA, isn't it? PTCA. I was right? I can never remember. Never have one. They don't work. Well, anyway. So what we're going to do is we are going to go through the skin into the lumen and then we are going to perform angioplasty, angio blood vessel, plasty, plastic surgery. So what we're going to do is we're going to put a little balloon in there and blow it up. I've got a picture right here. So here's our catheter and then it's going to blow up this balloon and that's called angioplasty. Now, you see this little wire mesh that gets left behind? This is called a stent. Now, stents, what's the problem with a stent? Well, actually, first of all, why did we invent stents in the first place? Because when you blow up that balloon for angioplasty and then you deflate the balloon and pull it out, what happens to the... It collapses right back in on itself, sometimes within days. So to hold it open, we invented which is a little wire mesh. What's the problem with these? Okay, it can collect clots and then it'll, the, this lesion can actually grow right into it. It acts kind of like, um, have you ever, anyone ever seen them grow tomatoes? What do they use? Spikes to hold up the vines, right? Well, this acts kind of like a vine. So we're helping it grow. So what do we do to prevent that? We actually use anticoagulants inside the structure of this. What's the problem with that? 
it can actually go through right on through the blood vessel because there's no more clotting in that area. So, <laughs> whoops. So, it's going to, it's, because it inhibits clotting, it can actually, this thing can actually go right through the blood vessel wall. Now, let me ask you this question. If you go to the emergency room and you have a heart attack, what are they going to want you to do? Take a drug or go to the cath lab? Which one's cheaper? Take a drug is cheaper, but guess what they want you to do? Go to the cath lab. Why? Because they can charge you more. Which does the cardiologist want? Cath lab. How much does he get for doing a cath procedure? Two to three thousand dollars. He can do like five, six, eight of them in a day. Now, what I'm going to tell you is very controversial. But it's actually not as controversial as you, as you would think. Don't go to a place that does cath labs if you have a heart attack. Because they're going, to do, they're going to send you to the cath lab. You don't want that. It's not as good. They do. Yeah. 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 And by the way, who, who is it who tells you you need one of these in the first place? The cardiologist. It's kind of like, yes, take drugs is better. So what do you do? So, yeah, you say, I would like TPA, please, or streptokinase. All right. Um, we got to go in just a minute. But here's a picture of, of a bypass graft. So this is a vein piece right here. So they grafted it from the artery into the coronary artery. How many of you are going to the OR sometime in the next couple weeks? All of you should raise your hand because you're all in med surge one. So you may get a chance to see a bypass surgery. I'm saying that in general, don't get a stent. All right, well, there's criteria for when you can get TPA. The longer you have the heart attack before you get it, the less it's going to work. But in general, if you've caught it early, TPA is the way to go.